Hello, Sober Town, and welcome to the Sober Town podcast. Let's jump on that sober train and ride. Ride into the wonderful world of sobriety. Hi, my name's Polly. I'm riding the train today with one of my beautiful, awesome sober sisters, Karina. Good morning, Karina. Good morning. Good afternoon here. Yeah. Yes, good morning for me. Good afternoon for you. We are on different sides of the pond at the moment. We have the same language, but a little <laughs> bit of water between us. But um, yes, Karina and I are sat aboard the sober train. We've both got a nice big mug of tea. So we're on a cup of tea together and we're going to have a little bit of a chat. As you are aware, those that have tuned into these podcasts, Karina, very, very bravely, because this is brave to put yourself out for the world to see. Karina, very, very bravely put her life of alcohol dependency and how she got to sobriety out there for the world to hear. And we do this in the hopes that we are going to help someone somewhere come to a realization that there is life after after alcohol. So first off, Karina, did you have any fallout emotionally from sharing what you shared? Um, I think leading up to it, I was quite anxious and I'd worked through a lot of things. Um, I'd, I'd been doing the Compassion Workbook um, as you know, I'm a mental health nurse, so I've done a lot of CBT in the past. I've done a lot of digging. Um, but actually sitting and doing that book um, actually made me do a formulation of myself, of what I've done for years for other people, and to actually formulate stuff and remember stuff that that come up and, and kind of fit pieces of the puzzle together as to how I got on my journey and where it all stemmed from. Um, so I was quite probably sleep deprived by the time I came to do the podcast I was very anxious as Drifter said he could see the difference from the beginning of the interview I was really anxious to the end I was smiling I was relaxed and um, and quite joyful um, I think I was exhausted afterwards I was I think the biggest thing for me was that I had not been deceitful because I wasn't being deceitful. I was being open and telling the world. I was telling family secrets. I had sort of told my story, which I made clear was my story and other people may perceive things differently. But I felt um, like a very naughty, bad schoolgirl who told tales and needed to be and was going to be punished and... Um, I actually couldn't, I couldn't listen to it back for a couple of days. I had to give myself some space um, and sit with all my, my guilt and my terrible feelings that I'd been done this terrible thing <laughs> to other people, to my family by expressing how I felt. Um, and then I listened to it a couple of days later. I was driving down to Boundaries actually, and I, I listened to, to it in the car and I listened to it from the place of, not knowing from somebody else listening independently to somebody tell their story from childhood upwards. And um, once I'd done that and actually listened, I felt okay. Um, 
I'm still a bit anxious when I think about, you know, the fact that I've put it out and I'm hoping that certain people don't stumble across the podcast um, because I'd hate to upset people. I don't have any animosity to anybody in my past for anything that's happened in my past. Everyone had their reasons. Um, and I love all of those people. You know, I, can, I can relate to that because just before you did your journey to where we are today, I did my journey to where we yeah. are today. And it's, in the one way, it's freeing. But in another way, it's extremely scary because, like you said, it's not just our journey. There were other people involved along the way who maybe didn't realize the impact of their selves on us at the time. Mm. We go through life unconsciously just living life. We don't realize what kind of impact any expression we have, anything that we do, uh, what kind of impact it has on other people unless we're actually told. Because unfortunately, we're a lot of things as women. We are powerful. We are multitaskers. We have enormous skills, but mind reading is one that they missed off the list when they gave us all the other stuff to, to, that we can do. So we're not mind readers. Um, don't about you, and here's one we'll touch on. Um, communication in this journey, how much have you learned that communication is so important? Oh, completely. I, I think, um, you know, communication is important, It, but it is 50-50 and it takes people both sides. You know, sometimes that, that bounce will shift a little bit, but but communication, because we, we, we assume stuff and you say we mind read, we don't know. We need to be clear about stuff. We're always second guessing. I think as humans, we're, we're second guessing and we're, we're not, we're very scared um, or reluctant to talk out for our own needs and get what we feel we want. In fact, we kind of even forget that along the way. Um, I think the biggest thing with me in the sobriety journey of communication was about me being loud and proud about my sobriety. Um, I didn't have any fears um, about that. I, I have tried sort of over the last few years, and I try, you know, I'd say to to Jack and my then husband, um, "Oh, right, so I'm going to quit drinking." Every time I got pissed, I'm going to quit drinking. I'm going to stop drinking, and they go, "Oh, yeah, put eyes to the ceiling," because you know I said it so often, they didn't expect it. So this time, part of it was like, yeah, I need to to do this and I'm going to tell everybody. And everybody, every time I saw somebody new, even my parents, it's like, I'm two weeks sober. I'm a month sober. And, um, you know, and I tell people I'm sober and I don't go down that sort of, you know, oh, I had a problem or I was an addict or whatever. I, I'm just like, I'm sober. And, I, and people don't tend to ask many questions it's like oh that's great that's really good um I think um there are people that say oh the milestones don't mean anything to me you know one mm. month over one two two months over. to me they are huge that is a personal achievement and I don't know about you but with every milestone I reach I feel like I'm growing into my own skin for the very first time in my life um, 
I feel like I am becoming who I, even at my late age, I'm becoming who I can identify with. Yeah. 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 You know, I'm, I'm getting an identity. Um, I've said many times that we live many lives through our lifetime. Um, children, teenagers, adults, uh, couples, parents, whatever. Now I am becoming my own person. I'm not someone's mom. I'm not, I am someone's mom, but it's not my first identity. I'm no. someone's wife, but it's not my first identity. My identity now is me. And I don't know how, how do you feel about that? Your new identity? Yeah, yeah I think sort of, I, I think I got to, I got to about four to six weeks and then I suddenly sort of hit a, a bit of a stumble. Um, and that was about just exactly that. Who am I? Uh, you know, my, my nursing career had, had gone. I was medically retired, which was huge because I was Karina. I was the nurse. You know, I, w- I was the nurse that people would come to because I had a lot of experience. They'd Your come identity. and ask me. Yeah. Um, I was Karina the mum. Jack had moved out. I was Karina the wife. My husband had left. You know, I was Karina the house owner. I lost my house. And it was like, ah, who am I? Who am I? Um, but then looking back on it, um, I've never really known who I am. I've only ever been identities. I've always tried to fit in, not always that well. Um, and I think sort of with, with the app and with the community, I started to find a little bit of how I was. And I think the most difficult thing for me was to learn to just be with me, to just sit and be with me that was the hardest um but it was the best thing um and what i i you know the biggest thing also was to to stop running away to just sit and be just to accept as it is in the here in the now and this is it even my emotions and feelings just just sit and be with them and you Um, celebrate every milestone how I do. Every milestone, I buy a little charm for um, a Pandora charm bracelet. I don't wear the bracelet. It hangs on my, my wardrobe door. Um, so I'm not, I, I do wear some jewellery, but I'm not sort of a kind of, you know, really into my jewellery. So, and it was just sort of, I bought a Pandora bracelet, just the hoop, and I just started buying um, little charms. So every milestone, I buy a charm. I buy it in the colour of the AA chips. I'm not doing AA, but I just do it, buy it in those chips colours. And I buy it to represent what has happened in the previous months in my journey. Um, So, you know, one of them has got sisters on um, because I, you know, felt that that was the significant thing to me. That month was, um, yeah, finding all my sisters and yeah, so, enjoying life. And in the journey, what have you used as some of the tools that have helped you reach? Because you're so happy now. You, you know, the joy is just there. It's on your face. You know, it's, it's a visual. Other people can't see it because they're, they're going to be listening. But I can tell the listeners now it's a beautiful face. It's 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 healthy it's full of life the eyes are your eyes are so happy so in order to reach your happy place inside outside wherever 
what have you used to help you reach your happy place? Okay, so the things, I mean, the, the biggest thing I've used is what I always use is from every breakdown, there is a breakthrough. I always know no matter what, what's happening, no matter what's going on, no matter how bad I'm feeling. So I will learn something from that and something good will come from that. Um, and in sobriety, you learn so much more. You know, it really gets the old grey matter going in your brain. And uh, yeah, you, 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 get <laughs> yeah. You, you get you get a thirst and a hunger for learning and for life and wanting to know and communicate and interact, all those things that I avoided before, but that, that socially keep you active and, and going, even in lockdown, you know, we found a way within the community to do that. Um I'd, I'd listened to Craig Beck, Alcohol Lied to Me, um, for a few months before I quit, listened to that every night. Um, I'm quite a visual and audio learner, so, you know, listening to stuff at, at night to me is quite good. Um, I read, what book story? It's Naked Mind. Um, absolute game changer for me to actually I know. I think it was for most of us, wasn't it? Um, yeah. We jumped yeah. on the Naked Mind bandwagon and the 30-day alcohol experiment. That's the one thing yeah. that kicked me over into this, this journey this time. Um, yeah. And like you say, a complete game changer. It gives you a whole new mindset and a whole new look at alcohol. So, yeah. Yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. But yeah, I, I didn't do the 30-day experiment, but I do mention it to everyone, to my brother, to my sister-in-law, to my friend who I just got off the phone from earlier. You know, I'm always like, yeah, just do this. It doesn't say you've got to stop. You just, just do it for 30 days and see how you feel, you know. Um, but to me, it spoke to me because um, I, it went into detail about the, the chemistry, the, the medical side of things as well. You know, in a light, you know, it's, it's okay for everyone. You don't have to into medicine and that to read it but it, it makes sense I like things that make sense to me and that really made sense um the unexpected joy of being sober of course oh my god I absolutely <laughs> I loved that book I absolutely yeah. that that to me was was a wonderful one to listen yeah. to that was my early morning walks was yeah Catherine Gray and the unexpected joy and yeah. this is a joy it is. It is. And, and I, read, I read both the books, didn't listen to those ones, but, but complete polar opposites. But together went really hand in hand mm -hmm. to me. Um, I think I read the Catherine Gray first, The Unexpected Joy, and then, and then This Naked Mind. But together, the, the two just did. I think I could, the Catherine Gray one to me was so raw in parts where she spoke about her how she drank and I mean I could relate and see yeah she created such a wonderful visual with that book you could picture the scenarios mm -hmm. and then she took you to the joy of what she was experiencing in sobriety yeah which yeah. it was joyful to read and well to listen to for me and we are finding you and I are finding joy in our sobriety um you used other other methods besides the, the those books those yeah um I'm, I'm i'm reading one at the moment which i'll get on to in a minute but the other things that really really helped me was um the power of now by eckhart toll or tolly 
um, and some of his podcasts as well. And and you can actually on YouTube, he is actually reading The Power of Now. So you can actually listen to him reading the book. Um, again, that's another one I, I went to sleep with most nights. It's seven hours long. So I've gradually listened to it. Whenever I'm in the car, I play it, you know, um, and just totally just bringing you back to the now. When our, our little mind starts racing, our little thoughts start going in overdrive, the little voices for some people, you know, um, it just brings you back to to the now. You know, yesterday's gone, tomorrow, and, and what he says is today, today I mean, today, it, we've only ever got this moment. Today's this, a this gift. Moment, yeah, but we only ever have this moment. You know, we don't, you can look at tomorrow, but we're only ever in this moment. I was, I was having a conversation yesterday and I said, um, I, I did to someone on IAS, there is no tomorrow because when you no. get there, it's today. Today, yeah. So yeah. there is a yesterday mm. because that's there. But there is no tomorrow because we've got no. today. And then when we get to Monday, it's that's today. Monday. It's, it's another day, it's not tomorrow. Yes. So it's weird. Mm-hmm. But we'll take a quick pause there okay and then we'll come on to the next bit which to me and you is becoming our heart this next part of our journey which is close to our heart so we have what we call a sisterhood a sassy sisterhood as sisters so talk about the month with your sister's charm Oh, okay. Oh, gosh. Um, so, yeah, you, Polly, you know, you, you had sort of invited me to go to um, a group in um, Group Me, I think it was, wasn't it? We started yes, off with. It. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and it was just amazing. Lots of people, all people from the app, a lot of people that, that I followed and who followed me as well. Um, but one of the things with the, with the app, you can't um, interact like there and then automatically you know, there's always a bit of a, a delay and it's, it's, it's very open. yeah and it's very open for everybody or anybody on that app to see um so there isn't any sort of confidentiality around that really you know whatever you put out there right anyone put, everyone can see um so you know it was really nice to be in a group that was just closed to all of us um all the people that were in there like-minded ladies um bit wacky bit nutty a bit fun a safe place a safe place place. we call it we call it our safe place don't we because yeah we can talk about the old man we can talk about how the kids have played up you know anything like that and we're safe yeah we can get we've got girls who struggle and we can instantly be there to support them but Carry on, sorry, I interrupt. Yes, yeah, no, that's fine. But but yeah, and, and that's what yeah, it is a safe place. And it was just lovely to have that fun, that banter, but also that sad stuff. You know, you can go on there when you're feeling really down, you can go on there when you're feeling um that you want to drink, want to give in. And I think it gives everybody um in that group, they feel valued, everyone feels valued, everyone feels safe. Everyone feels that it's okay. It doesn't matter how you're feeling in that moment. It's okay. And it's okay to share. And um, it just became just my, my day. It still is my daily, daily go-to. And mine. And mine. And I think um, 
one thing I said was that we are, I mean, one thing we, a lot of us, even when you go in the app and read people's early stories is how we used alcohol to fit in mm-hmm. because one of the foundations of how we got to where we were was that we didn't feel like we fit. Yeah. We were always trying to fit in. We were always trying to live up to other people's expectations of us. We were our own worst critic as well, you know, and the one thing I said that I love and I absolutely love about it is that we are the best bunch of misfits that fit together that I've ever found. It's like coming home to me. I mean, I've found true, true sisterhood, true, true friendship. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's my perception. Yeah. So. One, one of my eyes that one of the the charms that I've got my eye on actually for one one of the months is like a jigsaw puzzle charm, mm-hmm. and I, I'm I'm gonna definitely get that one time because it's it's like all come together. I definitely feel like I fit, like I belong, like I'm valued, um, and like I'm loved and cared for. Um, you know, on on both the the app as well, but especially within the sisterhood because we talk about very raw things on there but very mad fun things too you know and um the beauty of it is as well is because we're from all over the world there's always somebody around um so if somebody's struggling there's there's always always somebody there and um and then obviously you know that you then found the telegram app which i love because it's so difficult for me some days with my FND and fibro to read and understand and to to find the letter on, on my keyboard on my phone, which is crazy because I've pressed it a million times. But sometimes I look and I cannot find the letter S or the letter D or whatever. So the telegram to me is fantastic because I can just pick up and press the little microphone and ramble as much as I like. And also, I think... Because it gets raw at times, you don't want to sit there typing out all your emotions. That is, no. you know, that's the way I feel about it. And the fact that someone can push the button and talk about their emotions and get them out, because getting emotions out is the best way of dealing with them. And yeah. it, it, when you've got this big group hug around you going on, letting you let this out in this safe place, knowing that no one's going to judge you. No one's going to think you're talking silly. No one's going to think you're weak. I think it helps us deal a lot better. And we come, once we've let those emotions out, we feel stronger. Mm -hmm. Every time we overcome an emotion, we build another piece of, another bit of strength within ourselves, I think. Yeah. Uh, and we're women. Men are cerebral and women are emotional. It's the mm. way we deal with life and having a safe place to let our emotions go. I think yeah. it, it, it's a game changer for me. 
definitely I mean, and having a good cry is, is good you know I've been on there you know <laughs> I mean I try and be quite sort of serious and motivated and positive on, on the app which I am and I do much of the, some of the most of the time but I have my moments you know you've all heard me crying and oh, yeah. you know but <laughs> great I feel so much better afterwards you know and um, and you don't always even need a response to your message it's just you've sat there you've talked to someone or into your phone you know you've talked to the ether you've yeah. put it in and it's gone and you feel better for having done that and um, uh, yeah and I think um I've lost my train of thought there sorry <laughs> like you say on the app to me typed words don't convey emotion you can partly understand you know feel the raw emotion but mm. vocalizing it and like you say you don't always want a response you, someone is listening Someone will go and listen to your message. So they don't always, I think when it's the typed word and when you go into the community, the community we're talking about with the app is the IIS, I Am Sober app, just to let people know. It's the I Am Sober app, which is a wonderful community. It's, it's what got me one step in front of the other on top on this journey. And I think while it's anonymous, like you say, it's not, it doesn't make you feel free. Whereas where you're in a group that you're understood, women, I'm on about. Um, and I'm probably making a mess of this as I usually do because my, my brain goes off in uh, little different directions. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in a group like that and you're made to feel safe, you can come alive. And while we love life, we are happy, happy, happy. We get crazy in there sometimes. We get very naughty in there sometimes. <laughs> we do. <laughs> I think we make each other realize that you don't, there are days that you're going to feel oh God, like you did that time and you were having a rough day. Mm. Yeah, but that's okay. And it's okay. It's really okay. It's, you know, yeah. We're realists. Um, yeah. In that not every day is a fantastic day. And you just started a book and you've encouraged, and some of the girls have uh, adopted this book as well to read because you have found it has made quite an impact on you. Which one is it? Um, It's Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Um, And it kind of, um, somebody else had put it up on the the app patch and I thought, well, that looks good. I'll, I'll have a little look at that. And full title is Untamed, Stop Pleasing and Start Living. Um, And I started reading it after I did my podcast, which was absolutely perfect timing for me because of everything that I'd said in my podcast, everything I've striven for my life, it was not this fitting in. And, um, yeah, it just just came along at the right time. It made made a lot of sense. Um, She had um Glenn Doyle she had um problems of addiction she had bulimia um she was had alcohol problems and addiction to prescribed medication as well and she's been at least 18 years clean now um she is um 
a bit of a feminist, um, but even in the book, as you go through the book, um, you you find her catching herself at times as well about what her beliefs were and, and things around that. And the book itself covers everything from addiction to religion, to race, to gender, to feminism, to, to all those sorts of things. I'd say it is, it is a book written by women for women, um, but that's not to say that that men cannot read this for reasons that I will explain as I sort of go through it a bit. Um, so she starts off the book talking, describing about her and her daughter going to a zoo. And at this zoo, they've got this stuffed pink bunny at the, the back of a jeep, of a truck. And they let this cheetah out of its cage. And this cheetah chases after the bunny on this truck to catch it. Head held high, prancing, running at full speed, catching the bunny, and then after that goes back into its its pen. And her daughter says and makes the remark of how sad this poor cheetah looks being then in the pen because it's gone from being very, you know, regal to then being very shy almost. Caged. Caged. Yeah. Caged. And um, the, the, the little girl says something to the zookeeper and the zookeeper said, oh, it's fine. It's fine because she was born and raised in captivity. And what Glennon Doyle then took from that was, yes, but her wild is still there. It's still inside her belly and she's looking out at the wild. Um, and she talks very much about that. That's how it is for us in life, how we are conditioned, not just women, um, but all of us, all of us are I think, conditioned. Yeah, I think I, I, that one, I mean, like you, I'm a very visual. Um, that, that's how I do things is visually. Um, maybe it's the nature of our birth sign or whatever. But um, yeah. yeah. And you say it about the cheetah and then going back into its pan is almost like the times we've come out of and given ourselves a break from alcohol we've come out, we've let ourselves be ourselves. Mm. Then we've gone back into our cage where we put ourselves back down in a little hole of alcohol. Yeah. So, you know, we give ourselves a certain amount of freedom. And I wonder if we're a little frightened of the freedom until we're ready to deal with it. And then we take ourselves back. But yeah, it, that just you describing that made me think, yeah, when I gave up alcohol and got myself some time away from it, there was the freedom. Mm. And then going back to alcohol put me back in the cage. Yeah. So I don't know, that was just my yeah. and, and, and leading on from that as well, is it almost like, um, I mean, what she says is, is that she feels that, um, and she's done quite a lot of research on this, and she said the age of 10 is actually the age that we learn to be good boys, um, no, good girls and real boys. So the age of 10 is when children begin to hide who they are in order to become what the world expects them to be. Right around 10 is when we begin to internalise our formal taming. Ten is the world sat, sat her down and told her to be quiet and pointed her towards her cage. And, and it, it includes what she says is things like, these are feelings you are allowed to express. This is how a woman should act. This is the body you must strive for. This is the body you must, I'm sorry, these are the things you will believe. These are the people you can love. 
Those are the people you should fear. This is the kind of life you are supposed to want. Make yourself fit. You'll be uncomfortable at first, but don't worry. Eventually you'll forget you're caged. Soon this will just feel like life. And, um, you know, that, that's what, what she's saying is, is that it's life starts to tell us how we need to act and behave and what the expectations are. Um, and I was watching um, Margaret and Elizabeth last night on Netflix, which is about Princess Margaret and Queen Elizabeth. And, you know, looking at sort of the decisions that, you know, when they wanted to do anything in their life, how suddenly it was down to the politicians, it was down to the church, it was down to the institution, you know, but, but all we're all a bit like that. We are dictated to around our, we our life. We have to conform. We have to conform, um, you know, otherwise we have all these labels for people that don't conform and don't do as they're told, yeah. you know. I, I've reached an age now where labels I hate them I just I'm out of my cage I am running wild and I don't know about you I am absolutely loving it yeah yeah yes there are things I have to do you know I have to put clothes on I can't walk outside naked you know the neighbors would probably have a an absolute fit because they'd say the crazy English lady's at it again no, I don't go in the garden naked. <laughs> there are things you have to conform to, uh, the basics. Yeah. Like you say, it's the way we were brought up. I would sit down, shut up, and don't yeah. let me hear Seen, you speak. Yeah. Seen and not heard, yeah. yeah. Seen and not heard was huge. In mm-hmm. I know we, talk, we shouldn't talk about generations, but each generation feeds off the one before it and we make slight changes going along because the things that we live through as child children we say well I'm not going to do that with my children yeah I expect my children are now saying to theirs I've got a son with with little ones uh, probably and a daughter with two children probably saying well I'm not going to do that with mine so each generation changes but like I say with us it was sit down, shut up, and I don't want to hear you. Yeah. And, and I think but everyone's doing the best at that time, aren't they? You know, it's different, and that is the, the time. That, it is a generational thing. I mean, we have to talk about it, I think, because there were lots of things that were just accepted back then that, that are horrified now that aren't, you know. But I always had the, you know, I was never going to hit my son. That was it, because I was never going to hit him, because that's how what had happened to me. So, um, you know, and he'll take that forward, hopefully, with his son. And I think, you know, that we, we can grow. It's another you know from breakdown there's a breakthrough we can grow from that can't we but coming back to the conditioning and expectations um what i was just talking about of what what we're expected and to conform to this is a struggle that lots of people find in sobriety is how can they tell people that they're not drinking because we are expected to drink it is an expectation that once you grow up you drink because that's what people do. And if you can't handle your drink, there's something wrong with you, you know? And these are the conditions that, and the conforming that, that goes on. And I'm, I'm hoping that that's something that, that, you know, things like the app and like our groups and these podcasts can change and break that habit. You know, as Craig Beck said, alcohol is the only drug that you have to make an excuse not to have. Yeah, um, 
I was on my walk this morning. I was actually thinking about this. And it was, I gave up smoking eight years ago. Mm. And when I gave up smoking, everybody was rah, rah, yes, 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 yes. If I tell people I've given up alcohol, it's, well, why? Mm. Excuse me, it was as bad as my smoking. It has a detrimental effect on my health. And the fact that I'd like to live a little longer, it also, it was killing me. Mm. I I was just the outer body. The inner body was uh, somewhere else. It wasn't there. No. And I think, you know, but there is hope. There's always hope. Yes. Um, You know, again, you know, looking at the smoking, I mean, years and years ago, smoking was prescribed. For health reasons, you know. Especially in mental health hospitals to help calm patients. Calm down, yeah. So it was prescribed. You know, we know now, we know different that it will not help you. So hopefully, you know, with time, eventually, with growth and learning, generation to generation, then things may may well well change and 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 again this is very much sort of coming back to to Glennon Doyle's book it she looks at that and the generations of how to you know look at you know it's something I wish that I'd read when Jack was young um because it would have helped me I think to um yeah not sort of yeah to, to read some of what what she's come up with but again that was 20 years ago that Jack was young you know so that was two generations ago so or decades ago so um yeah, it's just, it's time, isn't it? It's time, it's yeah. a community, it's taking things forwards and, and spreading the words and, and being there for each other, really, I think. And this, these podcasts, as you say, these, these are a great way because they're never too long that you can't listen. They're not a book length. You know, no. anybody sitting in the car riding to work or going to the gym or just going for a walk or... I've done it when I've been doing my housework. I've put my earphones in and listened to a podcast while mm. I've been doing my housework. So there's plenty of opportunities to get for us to get the message out there. It's it, it's getting the message out there to people who want to listen. And what I'd like to touch on now is the Glennon Doyle book. And you saying that in the Telegram, it's great that you can just record and speak. Um, messages to people and one of the things you did was you were reading the Glenn and Doyle book and you took a passage and you read it to our sisters and it had a pretty big impact so I'm wondering if you would like to just read that passage now to anyone who's listening um, because it was a it was a beautiful piece it really was it was very impactful yeah, there's a few pieces that I'd like to read, but I think just before that, I just want to just read something else that I came across that will then tie in, hopefully, with, with that one. Um, so this is, is part of her initial part of the book, and she says, When I was a child, I felt what I needed to feel and followed my gut and planned only from my imagination. I was wild until I was tamed by shame until I started hiding and numbing my feelings for fear of being too much, until I started deferring to others' advice instead of trusting my own intuition, until I became convinced that my imagination was ridiculous and my desires were selfish, 
until I surrendered myself to the cages of others' expectations, cultural mandates and institutional allegiances, until I buried who I was in order to become what I should be. I lost myself when I learned how to please. Sobriety was my painstaking resurrection. It was my return to the wild. It was one long remembering. It was realising that the hot electric thunder I felt buzzing and rolling inside me was trying to get my attention, begging me to remember, insisting, I'm still in here. So I finally unlocked and unleashed her. I set free my beautiful, rowdy, true wild self. I was right about her power. It was too big for life I was living, so I systematically dismantled every piece of it. Then I built a life of my own. I did it by resurrecting the very parts of myself I was trained to mistrust, hide and abandon in order to keep others comfortable. My emotions, my intuition, my imagination, my courage, those are the keys to freedom. Those are who we are. Will we be brave enough to unlock ourselves? Will we be brave enough to set ourselves free? Will we finally step step out of our cages and say to ourselves, to our people and to the world, here I am. I think you and I can say here I am because um, here I, am. I don't know about you. I have absolutely no desire to drink it. I don't romanticize it anymore. It, it's not even in the realm of my mind anymore. It's gone. It, and the freedom from that is unbelievable. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way. Do you ever romanticize or? wonder about it because it scares the life out of me to imagine drinking it one sip yeah no it just frightens me it frightens me that I'm accidentally gonna drink something because I will feel robbed I think it was completely robbed me of the joy and happiness that I have now that, that I found for the first time ever I think I don't think I've ever felt this wonderful you know um it's it can be euphoric at times I'm, I'm high on life now you know why should I want anything to spoil that I don't <laughs> um okay and I think we're discovering more and more joy from helping others yeah achieve this sense of I, there's almost a sense of peace because yes. you're no yeah. longer worrying about your alcohol you're not worrying about, oh, God, I'm going to get up at this time in the morning and I'm only going to mm. get four hours sleep and I am as drunk as a lord. It, it, it's all gone. And the amount, like, we're free. The cage door yeah. opened and we bolted. We were female cheaters. Boom. We were gone. We're gone. Watch, right. watch my ass. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just... Yeah. I can't get over the happiness. I don't know about you. No, no, definitely. It's just, um, it, it is great. Um, obviously, there's a, a lot of emotions and feelings. And, and one of the things that Glennon says is, you know, when she goes through a program, she's got key ones. So the key one of, of unleashing ourselves um, and untaming, being untamed, is to feel it all. And obviously, we do feel true joy true happiness it's wonderful but we true you know we feel other emotions that aren't quite so happy and this is one of the passages that that I read out in the the girls group the other day and she said in the past 18 years I've had learned two things about pain 
First, I can feel everything and survive. What I thought would kill me didn't. Every time I said to myself, I can't take this anymore, I was wrong. The truth was I could and I did take it all and I kept surviving. Surviving again and again made me less afraid of myself, of other people, of life. I learned that I'd never be free from pain, but I could be free from the fear of pain and that was enough. I finally stopped avoiding fires long enough to let myself burn. And what I learned was that I am like the burning bush. The fire of pain won't consume me. I can burn and burn and live. I can live on fire. I am fireproof. Second, I can use pain to become. I am here to keep becoming truer, more beautiful versions of myself again and again forever. To be alive is to be in a perpetual state of revolution. Whether I like it or not, pain is the fuel of revulsion. Everything I need to become the woman I'm meant to be next is inside of my feeling now. Life is alchemy and emotions are the fire that turns me to gold. I will continue to become only if I resist extinguishing myself a million times a day. If I can sit in the fire of my own feelings, I will keep becoming. And that to me just struck tenfold because I drank and drank for years to block pain. We, did, uh, and we, that's did. we started out by trying to fit in. Mm. And we hurt ourselves trying to fit in. So we drank yeah. to block out the pain of our own actions. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we caused our own pain. Mm. Well, I think if I most say, of it. Most of it. There, yeah. there are other circumstances as well. There's the emotional... Yeah. Um, yeah relationships etc that cause pain but um i i think the one thing we do in our ias group and it, both male and female will tell you sit with the emotion just yeah. sit with it you and i meditate mm -hmm. um i i love to meditate i've just purchased myself a nice new meditation cushion to to sit outside in my nice new space when I finally get it finished, <laughs> my work in progress. And just to sit, people think that meditation is hard to do. It's not. People say, well, my thoughts won't, I can't stop my thoughts. But the whole, you, you can never stop your thoughts, but with meditation, you can let your thoughts come. And that's where your something I was thinking about earlier, your inner ego, the part of your brain that deals with your emotions, that guides you, can help you, can help guide you through those emotions to the other side within the space of five, 10 minutes, which is yeah. not much time. No, I think when, it takes, it takes practice. It doesn't come easily, does it? Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's great we could have scripted this because that's just led me right into the next bit which was key too <laughs> <laughs> look at us we're on the same wavelength we're on the same yeah, wavelength key one i mean our second bit is key two which is to be still and know and this is her her second key to, yeah. to being untamed and um i really like this bit actually she said several years ago very early one morning i found myself unable to sleep again it was 3 a.m. Oh, yeah, we've all been oh, there. Oh, we all know the 3 a.m. one. Yes, that's it. 
and I was wild hour. yeah and I was wild-eyed shaky flailing grasping for answers like a drowning woman desperate for air I just typed those words these words into my google search window what should I do if my husband is a cheater but also an amazing dad I stared at the question and thought well I have hit some sort of new rock bottom I've just asked the internet to make the most important and personal decision of my life. Why do I trust everyone else on earth more than I trust myself? Where the hell is myself? Sorry, where, where, sorry, that was a, Jack was trying to FaceTime me now. Um, where the hell is myself? When did I lose touch with her? And then she says she gets lots of different answers on her Google search, you know, from Christianity, from church groups, from so all different people, the different degrees. And um, she, she said, and then I decided that if I kept doing the right thing, I would spend my life following someone else's directions instead of my own. I didn't want to live my life without living my life. I wanted to make my own decision as a free woman from my soul not my training. But the problem was, I didn't know how. A few weeks later, I opened a card from a friend that said in bold capitals, thick black lettering, be still and know. I'd read that verse many times before, but it struck me freshly this time. It didn't say poll your friends and know, or read books by the experts and know, or scour the internet and know. It suggested a different approach of knowing. Just stop, stop moving. Stop talking, stop searching, stop panicking, stop flailing. If you just stop doing, you'll start knowing. I, I'm reading a book, as you know, uh, yeah. by a lady called Elizabeth Lesser. And it's, um, she is the author of The Seeker's Guide also. But the prelude at the book, it resonates with what you just said. Um, she, there's someone called Anne Nin who wrote, and the time came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. So, so you've got, you can stay in your little world of alcohol and it is a little world, it's a cage, as Glennon Doyle said about a cage. Alcohol is a cage. It, it's somewhere we put ourselves. It's a horrible place. It's a place I never want to go back to. Um, I always imagine the little girl at the bottom of the well. Yeah. Looking up at the light that's all the way up there. How am I going to climb out? I've climbed out of the well for the last time. I am not, you know, I know you should never say never, but with this one, I am saying never. I yeah. really am, um, because I'm so convinced in my own mind now that I will not drink again, because yeah. I, we see so much devastation from alcohol. Um, I was, I suppose, in a way fortunate I didn't drink when my kids were little, but when my kids were older and I drank, yay, like every addict, I went at it full blown. You know, I, yeah. I was very enthusiastic. You know, it's, it's the nature of our um, persona is we do everything with such enthusiasm. And I am doing my, uh, my sobriety with a lot of enthusiasm. 
Yeah, I think I'm putting all the enthusiasm I used to put into my drinking and more into my sobriety. And and we mentioned milestones earlier and, and they do, you know, some people like them, some people don't. And everyone is, you know, everyone's individual journey. Um, and I like, I, I celebrate my milestones. I get so much more excited about them than I ever did about drinking. And that's what keeps me going. It's like, I never got this excited about drinking, but yeah, I'm getting excited about putting that new charm on. Yeah, um, you can't get excited about your drinking because the hangovers were the pits. Pits, yeah. The, yeah. the hangovers were the total pits. Mm. I mean, there was no joy towards the end. It was just, there was just no. completely no joy. No. Um, it was just something I did. Um, and I could have used any excuse in the book for why I was drinking, but at the end of the day, I was drinking, full stop. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. Um. And how many times when I was drinking did I find an excuse? Oh, it's been a bad day. Woo, we're celebrating. Um, oh, God, I just can't cope. I'm going to have And I remember yeah. coming home from work on the days that I worked. And I was taking my coat off, opening a bottle of wine while divesting myself of my coat just as I'd come in the front door. I hadn't even taken my coat off. No. And I'd be divesting myself of the coat while I'm pouring the first glass. And I'm sipping on the wine and halfway down the first glass before I've hung up my coat on the hanger. And I don't know what happened. We had a blip. Okay, we're back um, for another section. And this section something that is very close to mine and Karina's heart in that we are happy in our sobriety and we want to try and pay forward to other ladies because there is so much marketing out there geared to women t-shirts um baby gear even there's so much that's it's painful it's heartbreaking um and women women are marketed because we're maybe we're viewed as the weaker sex i don't know which is an old-fashioned concept because women are not weak Women are extremely strong. Um, who was it that someone said the other day that uh, there was a video one of the girls put into our sisterhood and the woman said, I am strong. I can grow a baby in this body. I can feed that child. I can survive. I can feed my family. You know, we are powerful. We forget, I think, that we're just as strong as everybody else. We're emotional, yes, and we tend to let our emotions lead us a lot of the time, which is maybe why we start drinking. I don't know. Uh, I know emotion got me into the drinking. My husband died, which was an emotional time. So that got me into my drinking, uh, which steadily grew over the space of 20 years almost, until I got to where I am now. But in amongst our becoming sober, we watched so many of our sisters struggling and just needing something a little extra. And just before Christmas, it wasn't... One of the ladies in 
found um, the group MEAP and there were 10 of us in there, but we originally we didn't go in there to start a support group in the way that it's developed. It's like anything that, that starts, it's got a foundation and we build off a foundation and that's what we've been doing over the space of these few months. And it's hard to believe that this only started probably at the beginning of November and here we are into March and it's just grown with, and it's brought home to us how many women feel vulnerable with no one to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. And we started with group me and we got pretty crazy in there. And there were so many of us. <laughs> we started break, we started breaking our groups down a little bit because some of the ladies were emotional and getting overwhelmed because there were so many different conversations going on and it got hard to keep up didn't it as well that, yes. that was me I couldn't keep up with with everybody and what was happening yeah. and, That's yeah. it. and then it was discovered by the founder of Sobertown Mr Drinker <laughs> who as we very well know has got the worst deleting finger in the world and for someone who's now all over the internet, <laughs> etc. was almost paranoid in the fact that there was information out there wanted uh, an app that he was allowed to delete from on occasion. <laughs> so, so the research happened and that we came with Telegram. We, we did try Discord, um, but it still didn't really suit the purpose of what we wanted. So... We came to Telegram, which for us has been a game changer. Yeah. As you spoke at the beginning, you struggle um, with typing, with finding mm. letters. So the voice and being able to speak, as we just heard you speak those passages, using yeah. your voice. Um, and like I said earlier, emotion, you can get a certain amount of emotion out in the typed word, but vocally, you can convey so much more. And when you're trying to offer support to someone who is struggling and emotional, you know, you can convey it so much better vocally. Yeah. And it's easier to respond, I think, because sometimes, you know, you, you sit there and think, oh, what should I put? Whereas when you start talking and it just just flows, flows out and, and everything, everybody knows that whatever we say, it comes from a good place. It comes from a place of trust and love and safety because um, we don't always get it right. We don't, we're not always 100% going to say the right things, what people want to hear, but it's always from a place of, of love and safety and everybody sort of acknowledges that, which is great. And I think the difference between our I Am Sober app and this, what we've got going now is, as you said before, there is always someone around. So anyone who is needing any kind of support, it's there. We encourage, we encourage the reaching out. It doesn't matter what it's for. And we've had, you've, you've done it and others have done it, come on and said, I don't need a response. I just need to get this off my chest. I mm. just need to put this out there because... When you're sat on your own and it's running around and around and around in your head, it, it, it's like the little snowball that starts this uh, 
like a tennis ball and ends up the size of heaven knows what, the snowman. It grows and grows and grows because you've got no way to get it out. But this has given people a way to, to put it out there. And it's quite surprising how much help and information you get coming back from others who have probably gone through the same thing. Yeah, I know. That's something we're finding as well, isn't it? it? It's sort of kind of somebody raises an issue and someone else is like, oh, I'm going through exactly the same thing, you know, so it's a great peer support as well. So, and, it, you know, and, and some of those things are women's issues, that, that they are issues, you know, that that, that men don't encounter and, and don't necessarily go through um, in life. So, you know, and, and that's great it's that we're all sort of, finding out more about each other in a supportive way yes and like you say women's issues emotional issues the kids the day-to-day running of the house and all that kind of stuff when you've got someone you can vocalize it to you don't feel so alone no because when you're at home there's no one around you to talk to whereas with this there's someone to talk to and if there's no one in the house you feel free to talk you feel free to let it out and we found that once again, we have kaboomed. We've, we've exploded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so much so that you and I have put, been throwing ideas backwards and forwards about this. And because we feel there are a lot more ladies out there that can help each other. Although you and I manage these, we don't really manage them. We're just, we're almost like a figurehead in some ways because all these ladies manage themselves and each other. There, there doesn't really need to be anybody. There's no one in charge. Let's put it no, that nobody's in charge. Yeah, we're all equal. There's, and, yeah. yeah, there's no egos. We've got no egos in there. Everybody's in there for the same purpose to help each other. And one idea we've put together is forming like small pods, four or five people at a time who can help each other like small support groups mm. um we've already got one going that yeah was so unbelievable we didn't realize at the time the fates were there again people come into your life at the right time for the right reasons unbeknownst and we have two ladies chatting to each other offering support and it turns out they have both got the same things going on in their life and they can relate to each other and they can talk to each other about yeah so like we say have the fun we get the fun gifts going the laughs we celebrate each other unbelievably because we're all beautiful we're all women fighting for a new life a better life and one thing that's shown in the we watch people put their little uh, posts up in their sober app and we're watching their mindsets change in that Mm. they're starting to find joy. They're coming through that worst harsh part. And even though some of them have still got partners drinking, which thank you, sweet heaven. I don't have to do that one. I don't know how I would do it. Um, they are still finding joy in sobriety and it, they're, they're resisting the alcohol, even though they've got a partner who's drinking. Yeah. It's 
we want to encourage more women into our circle, I suppose you could call it. So that's something we've discussed. Yeah, so you don't want, it, don't want it to be exclusive. You know, it is, it is sort of something, you know, it, it's been sort of, we've been seeing how it goes. It, it's going really well. Um, and I just think it's, you're just seeing people change. You're just seeing the difference that having that, that group of women makes to all the individual people um, that are in there. Um, you know, just having that safe place to express. And for me, in the morning, the first thing that goes on is that I'm just listening to all your messages, you know, watching the videos, you know. I say a good morning sort of video or, or voice message and you're the last people I say good night to as well at night. Um, you know, and that's even when I'm with Andy, not here on my own, you know, I've always got my headphones in that when, when he's here. And it's just, it's nice because, yes, I have, I love my alone time. I love being on my own. I have people in my life as well. Um, but the the people that really get me, the people that really understand me, the people that will listen to me at any hour of any day about any subject is the girls. And, um, you know, and just right there in my pocket all the time. And all I have to do is take out my phone and and you're there. Mm -hmm. And it's something that that it would be so wonderful for for everybody to have yeah the um the opposite of addiction is connection mm. it's also yeah. the opposite of isolation connection because when you're in when you're drinking you isolate yourselves you are in a state of isolation when you're drinking and the one thing about this is no one's isolated like you say we've got different times we're on both sides of the Atlantic, you know, so there's always someone around. Um, we take an interest in what other people are doing as well. They're letting us into their lives and they're showing us their hobbies. They're showing us their family life. Um, and if they've got a question, they'll throw it out there and someone will come back and say, well, I did this, 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 and this. So, okay. And off they go and they do this, this, this and this. And it's just the immense support. All of us are coming from alcohol. It's where we started. We have ladies going through emotional breakups, finding so much support to be able to let their feelings out, how emotional they're feeling, how broken they feel emotionally not as a person emotionally and as we know doesn't last forever it's broken at the moment but it will heal it will get better with the help of others who can yeah. be there to support you and hold you up um i take great joy in our sisterhood and that's what we call it is a sisterhood it could be called anything you know, it, it's just that we call it sisters and sisterhood because we we feel like a family. Mm. We are a family, yeah. We, you know, I have 20-odd sisters that I never had <laughs> nearly 10 months ago. And I absolutely love it because they accept me. I don't fit anywhere else mostly, but I fit there. Yeah. And like you said about your jigsaw puzzle piece that you're going to get. Yeah. 
I think I'll get myself a jigsaw puzzle piece for my one year. Yeah, um, right. It's and life is a set of jigsaw puzzle pieces. Uh, everything we do in life is a set of jigsaw puzzle pieces, and sitting and fitting the pieces together on your own is hard. But to know that you've got other people who can help you sit and put your puzzle together is enormous. It is. So. It is huge, yeah. And, I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again, I'm glad I was a drunk because I would not have found the app. I would not have found you guys. I would not have come home. And that's where I am at last. I fit. At last, I'm valued. And... I have come home and it feels fantastic. I think the fact that we've got something, like you say, we feel valued. There's so many women out there who don't feel valued. Mm. We feel so undervalued. And we feel valued in that people are listening to us. We've got something to offer. I'm not that well educated. I've just got life experience. You're a nurse. We've yeah. got we've got other skills and professions within our group. Mm. Um, we don't we don't feed on those. I mean, we don't say, "Oh, we've got a nurse here, and I've got this, 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 and this." That's not what we do. Um, just trying to explain it to people. We're not psychologists. We're not trained. We are just ladies getting sober. That's it. Bottom line. You know, yeah. I don't have qualifications in that area. I'm not a psychologist. Um, I've got no medical training. I just know what works for me. Um, and what works for me might not work for someone else, but I will throw my ideas in the hat. And if it help, one of my ideas helps someone, then success. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. We, I think the important thing is we are getting sober together. It's our own individual journeys, but we're doing this together. And, you know, many hands make light work. Um, and yeah. as we know, us women are a powerful force when we get together. Yeah. And yeah. together we can do this. Um, um, you and I, I think it would be nice to do another chat. Okay. Another Sounds good. It's yeah. been, I've truly, truly enjoyed this. It's been great and great throwing ideas around. Um we are both on IIS. Karina is Karina Dottipot. I am Polly A on the I Am Sober app. If anyone would just like to pop on our timeline and say whether or not they would like to come into a sisterhood, a small pod, you know, for the little bit of extra support, just leave us a message on our timeline and we will get back to you. Um with our information um also it will be included in the information about this podcast we will place we will put our email addresses at the bottom of this podcast in the information um but we feel that women helping women is our best way forward because we do not need to be isolated some people don't need it but there are those that do need it. There's some people quite happy just to be on their own, managing their own sobriety. We are not saying that's the wrong way to go. There is no right way, wrong way to do sobriety. 
It's the individual way. It's your journey, your way. Um, so we will leave the information about sisterhood. The Glennon Doyle book is called? It's called Untamed, Stop Pleasing, Start Living. So I thank yep. Karina for coming on the train with me today. We are approaching the station. We will thank disembark. We are there. I've <laughs> so enjoyed it. I've loved it. I've absolutely loved it. So thank you very much. And you and I will definitely sit and chat again. And it, the emails will be at the end of the podcast if anybody just wants to email us. And just ask any question you like. Just email us and ask us the question, whatever you want. So thank you, Karina. And thank you thank for you. taking time out of your day to sit and ride the train, the sober train with me. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much. So, so much. We are signing off because we're at the station, but thank you everybody for listening to a couple of ladies ramble on. We hope we've given you some wonderful information. We hope we've given you an enjoyable time. So thank you for listening. And to anyone who's listening for the first time, welcome to Sobertown. It is the best place in the world. Take care of your sobriety. You are your number one. I'm just going to record a small piece here. I don't know if it'll be included in the podcast, but if it is, I just want to say that sobriety, the gift that keeps on giving, it never stops. It's there every day, one day at a time, which a lot of people don't like that expression. and It's not anything I really like, but I do live my life one day at a time because I cannot predict what is going to be happening tomorrow. So I'm not going to anticipate tomorrow. I am actually reading a book called Broken Open by a lady called Elizabeth Lesser. It's not about alcohol because every book doesn't have to be about alcohol. You don't have to always read the quitlets. But I will say the quitlets, a lot of them are all by women. But this one, for you ladies out there, was written by Anne uh, Nin. Anne Nin wrote, And the time came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. And also, Elizabeth Lesser wrote, If we can stay awake when our lives are changing, Secrets will be revealed to us. Secrets about ourselves, about the nature of life and about the eternal source of happiness and peace that is always available, always renewable and always within us. It is within us to find our own happiness. I am responsible for my happiness. And I'll tell you what, I have never, ever felt happier than I do at this moment. Thank you from myself, Polly, for listening to this little get together that I had with Karina. And I thank you for listening to the podcast. And I wish you a very happy, sober journey. Goodbye. <laughs>